Welcome to the Alpha Pack Podcast. When you hear the word alpha, what comes to mind? Is it a lone wolf who goes his own way? Or maybe it's a powerful leader who bulldozes over the competition. Well, what if we told you that true alphas aren't lone wolves intent on tearing people down? They're actually dominant leaders who never back down from the challenge of improving the lives of everyone around them. As part of the Alpha Pack, we believe that no leader should be on their own. They need a pack of people keeping them accountable, challenging them, and encouraging them to be the best that they can possibly be. Join us as we hear incredible stories from industry leaders about how to become an alpha that will settle for nothing less than making the world better than the way they found it. Are you ready to learn what it takes to become a true alpha? Then pull up a chair, because you have a seat at the table as part of the pack. This is the Alpha Pack Podcast. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the podcast. Um, Tonight, we're going to be talking about a concept that we've been kicking around the last couple of years, which I find is a helpful way of thinking about alphas. Um, It's another framework that one of my personal passions is frameworks and different ways of thinking about life and really, in a lot of ways, naming things different. I think names have a lot of power and um, it really helps kind of consolidate and encapsulate certain concepts. So we were talking amongst ourselves when one of our uh, sessions, you know, one of our times we were hanging out and I read a book some time ago. I'm quite interested in the FIRE movement, financially independent, retire early. That's really kind of one of my chief passions. But I was reading a book called Quit Like a Millionaire. It wasn't, it really wasn't that great of a book. However, in the (laughs) book, um, there was a really key concept that I thought was very, very good. And in it, she presents a triangle. And there's three key components of what she would say these people who can quit like a millionaire are. And in it, she says, no single person in this triangle can be bad necessarily at any one of these aspects. But the different points of the triangle are the kind of people that excel at one of the three more so than the other two attributes. And here's kind of the breakdown. The breakdown is people have to be good at making money. People have to be good at investing money turning a profit, and people have to be good at saving money. And so to break it down a little bit and how the triangle actually works. So top of the triangle is the hustler or the entrepreneur, pure entrepreneur. I'll claim top. That's fair. That's fair. Right. And so, you know, the example archetypes are, you know, the Elon Musk's, Steve Jobs, you know, people who are more well-known hustlers, if you will. Coming down, and we'll get get into this and kind of chat about when it comes down to the other point, it's the investor. So let me go back to the hustler. So the hustler description is highly risk comfortable. There's infinite money out there. I just got to go and harvest some more. Like, oh, I've hit a bad spot. Well, I just need to go out and make some more money, you know, because there's it's out there. I just need to go grab some more. That's kind of how they would do, you know, and a great example that Elon Musk makes, what, $90 million in PayPal and sinks it everything into Tesla and, you know, SpaceX. And at one point, I think almost went bankrupt. Totally, yeah. yeah I, th- I think he was like hours from bankruptcy. Yeah, like after 90 million and he right. might do it again. So, but that's, that's the mentality. Very risk comfortable. Hey, you just got to go get some more. Then you come down to the point of the triangle where they excel at investing. So this is Charlie Munger, you know, Warren Buffett, Warren Buffett. Those kind of things where they just have a knack for having capital, but then understanding where to put capital in the right times and the right places. So, you know, the example there would be 
Warren Buffett famously bought Geico and then proceeded to use all of the money that was largely put away for covering claims to buying companies. So that was just a good investor, good use of capital, knowing when to do it, when to make moves. And then the last side, which is maybe the least sexy of the three, is the optimizer. So the optimizer is the one who specializes or is better than most at just saving, optimizing probably their life, probably optimizing the way their income comes in, optimizing where to put it, yada, yada. And so that framework for us was a very good rubric or framework for us to kind of talk through. And I think it'd be interesting to hear kind of what everyone identifies with, and then we can kind of go from there. Yeah. What if I'm not not good at any of them? We'll come back to that. It's in a book, (laughs) Daniel. You should read it. (laughs) Not that book. Not that book. Uh, Daniel, I'll write a a summary for you. Uh, He can read the summary. Yeah. So I'll go first. Hustler. I'm a classic hustler. Well, I'll share a couple of examples, right? Like I have made entrepreneurial ventures, pulled money, like liquidated savings and been like, this is the right venture. It's going to play out. And and thank God it has played out. Some of them did. That's right. Enough of them have played out. Enough. That's the word. Enough of them. That is the accurate statement. Enough of them have played out that I am that positive. But that, yeah, that's like, and I've literally have said this before to my wife, like, well, gosh, we want to fix the floors in the house, redo something, or we need to buy another car for our teenage daughter. Like, all right, well, that's just a couple more deals. I need to go land a deal. Uh, how much does that deal need to profit me? All right, give me a few months and I'll go land a deal and we'll get it. I mean, it, that's just how this game is played. So yeah, hustler, classic hustler. We'll get into more of the nuances later, but I want you guys, the other two to speak up. I, I think it'd be interesting to also talk about the boundaries and limitations of each. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Right. I want to get yeah. there, but first but let's, let's all like kind of self-identify. Um, I could go next. I mean, I definitely identify as an investor. Um, yeah, okay. Probably have my entire life. I think partly in that because I really enjoy the prospect of making money, but I've been in worlds, and I think from where I've had to come from is like you have to work so dang hard to make money. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it is – you know, and I believe in a lot of things that Warren Buffett says, like, hey, the number one rule in growing wealth is like, don't lose money, right? So I don't think I'm on the saving portion because I'm I'm very investment heavy and willing to take risks. But I think I very much evaluate downside and kind of hedge really well and try to stack a lot of bets. And I think the other side of that comes from like, basically getting to a place where your money is able to work for you. And that's something that's really important to me. Right. So I think you kind of learn a lot of things, but I think that's the hat that I wear, you know, which, and I think it look, I I like enjoy both of the other sides of that. Right. Like I, yeah, in general, I would consider myself a, a decent saver of money. And I also would consider myself a very, you know, person of like, Hey, if we need to go make a hundred thousand dollars. Here's how we do it. Right. But the other side of that is I think where the skill is honed is like, hey, how do I work on both of those sides, but really naturally identify more as an investor. Yeah, and, and, I want to capture, and I want to capture something Jay said. We'll, we'll keep getting to it. But even as I would describe the investor as like, they know the good place to put their money. I think that's in my mind, because I'm not an investor type. I would think, oh, they know where to put their money well. Even in Jay describing himself, he's like, really... 
I'm really thinking of like, how do I protect my downside? And that is the great part about this discussion in the sense that I think you always tend to think differently about the types you aren't. And then being in a pack mm. with people who differ from you allow you to see the nuances, the, the behind the scenes, like, hey, well, how does that actually work? And then taking some of those insights and then being like, how do I augment my practice with the practitioner's kind of best yeah. tool? And, and maybe you're going to share this, John, so don't want to steal it, but even just some in our conversations, the systems that we build around our bias is has been very mm. fascinating in our conversation because yeah. you, you know, you have this. Well, Jonathan, way, tell us you, what you are. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. We skip that. So, so I'm, I'm the optimizer. Um, you know, I think we've said it in previous things. I work for a fortune 50 company, um, been there 20 years. I run with guys who are entrepreneurs. They regularly tell me I need to get out, but by and large, you know, grew up in a home where parents said saving was very important. And in a lot of ways, I think saving is a, is a simplistic way to look at it. I would say that like, I am actually really focusing on being a life optimizer yep. in means of money. And so that, I agree with that. that really goes for me, like not only is it a matter of saving kind of, I would say there's actually a lot of correlations to Jay, what you said, it's really less about saving and the amount that I can save and more of how do I use what I've saved efficiently? So it's almost like, Hey, how, how much do I need to be able to burn efficiently and then saying, if I burn this efficiently, then I naturally save. So that's almost the larger part of optimizing is it really is about, hey, how do I constrict my life in bounds that I'm comfortable with in order to be able to save? So I'm the optimizer. Whereas I'm a little bit nuanced from that in that, hey, I want this type of life. So how do I invest enough things to cash flow to give me that type of life? I don't naturally think about optimizing it. And Scott, oh, which, you would describe yourself the other way. Let me go even further. As a hustler, I'm hustling so that I don't have to restrict my life. Correct. <laughs> the goal is to not have to make restrictive choices at some point. Now, as you mentioned, though, Jay, and Jonathan, you mentioned, if we're really going to be financially successful, you have to learn all of these. Correct. And so so I, I, I'll throw the teaser out. Part of the beauty of the alpha pack here is like, oh yeah, really, I am being too sloppy. Constriction might actually be some really healthy things for me. So, yeah. so learning from each other. But Daniel, before we riff, like jump in, where are you at in this mix, Dan? I'm I think I'm kind of late to the party. I think I'm a I'm a reluctant hustler. Okay. Uh, a, a, a reluctant entrepreneur. Um so I had worked for multiple Fortune 500 companies and had really thought of this on a completely different axis. Like I had just thought about making myself as valuable as possible mm. and expected to just kind of climb the corporate ladder. And through a variety of unexpected circumstances, which we can talk about, uh, we can record later because you guys yeah, are all very yeah. familiar with them. I have found that I have a much more entrepreneurial bent than I thought I did. Mm. But I didn't realize that until my late 30s. Mm. And so I didn't really have a plan other than continue to grow my income at three to five percent a year uh, with a nice, you know, Fortune 500 corporate cost of living raise, right? Get a promotion every couple of years. And, and that was my that was my plan. And mm. try to keep my living expenses a little bit below my income. Mm -hmm. Now I resonate more with Scott where 
you know, if I need to go make $10,000 to cover new floors or, you know, whatever it is that needs to be covered, like, okay, I'll go find a couple new clients, a couple new projects, and I'll go make the money. But I don't think that I have been as intentional in the financial side of my life as I think Jay and Jonathan have been over the last 10, 15 years. Mm. Okay, so Jay brought this up. It's like, what does this actually mean? Like, cool concept, right? But like, lifestyle pattern and what does this actually mean? Um, It gets into some really interesting tactical stuff that we do. And, And some of it, I think we learn from each other. And there's also some things you guys do that I'm I, maybe, you know, a couple of years from now, I'll take this back, but I'll say right now, there's still a couple of things. I'm like, yeah, I don't really want to do that one. Um, <laughs> that, that helps me, but there's some but of it I really do need. And but so I that, think that's, I think this is one of the core strengths and maybe we wouldn't talk about as often, but this is one of the core strengths of Alpha Pack in the sense that um, number one, I think we kind of were running together, even when we all kind of thought vaguely, Hey, we're kind of the same folksy, but we've kind of subspecialized, I would say, a little bit more. Mm-hmm. The fact that once you subspecialize, then it's kind of like, hey, I don't need to act the same as the rest of the group. That's a big part of this. Like we're we're all facing the same by and large goal. But I think one of the crazy good things has been us being able to say, hey, the way I run isn't the way you run, and that's fine. Well, and I, I think honestly, core to being kind of alpha mindset, which we can explore this deeper, but is really having the audacity to do it the way you want to. Right. right? Um, And I think all in our own way, differently, we really enjoy doing it the way we're doing it. Like we might be going after some of the same stuff, but we've Scott, me and you've had this conversation. Like I wouldn't want to do it the way you're doing it, man. I love what you're doing. I think it's awesome. But I don't want to ride that roller coaster. You know? <laughs> and I'm like, and I see the strategy. I had the similar invitations like, dude, you should get into some of this restaurant world on the field. And I tried it and thought, no, I don't. And so I, this is important. It's really not important. just doing interesting things with your life. In fact, not just, I think that might be the core is the way I want to do it. That's right. That audacity so, so to be like, I don't just want success. I want to do it this way. This so way. Right. I, I really think that's super core to just the mindset and what we're trying to help people understand is so many people are like, here's the box. Here's the path. You have to walk this way. And maybe I had a mentor or maybe I had a father or maybe I had whatever that is. And this is the path they walk. So it's the path that I have to walk. And I think the waking up of all of us has been, I can create my own path to maybe a very common destination. Mm-hmm. So I had, a, I had a call this week with a, with a friend and they're being an unexpected unpaid coaching call, but he's, he's a good friend and a good guy. And I was able to help. And the way I framed it with him is what's the game that you are most likely to win? Like mm-hmm. let's take, retail. Retail is an execution game. I worked for a large retailer for a long time. Retail is an execution game. It is a supply chain execution, right? If you are really good at waking up every day and doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, you're going to be wildly successful in that. I'm not wired for that. And so that's not a game I'm going to win, not in the long run. And so I think 
another way of saying what we're all saying is I think we're all finding we're architecting the game in a way that we can win mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. based on our interests, strengths, passions, you know, blah, blah, blah. But we've all got the same destination. But I think Scott's game is going to be a much more branding, marketing, sales, thought leader, front of the stage kind of game. And I just don't think that's Jonathan's game. Like that's not a game Jonathan's going to well, and win. I think- and I think there's two pieces of it. There's you being comfortable with playing the game the way you want to play it in your own unique way. Mm-hmm. But I would also argue, like, even though we're directionally headed towards a lot of the same large goals, I think you being able to find what your goal is, your own mm-hmm. personal goal. Like for me, running with these guys, I more likely than not should have quit my fortune 50 job and started doing this stuff with, but I mean, I may or may not have told you that at least 25 times. Yes. <laughs> well, and and that's not to say I shouldn't, but eventually. No, but, but, I, but I've actually, to be clear, the joke is because I've now come back around, learned a lot of this and been like, actually, I see why you're there. I should not be playing the game. That's you're right. Playing, but that's you right. are actually winning at that game. And that that's doesn't right. mean there aren't, improvements and pressures yep. and you should never leave your job for a better job. But, but the idea that you would leverage a, a paid salary position and I don't want a paid salary position. I've actually come around and that's the joke. It's like, now I'm like, Oh yeah, I've been the guy who's probably the most aggressively like looked you straight in the eye and be like, dude, you right. should quit. You're wasting your life and potential. And right. now I realize it's like total projection. Like you should, right. you should do what I do because it's working for me. Well, I'm and pretty that's... sure I got that same speech 25 years ago for not becoming a pastor. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Jay might be the only one who hasn't got that speech. <laughs> you were wasting your life. Long day. Yeah, I guess I'm due. I don't know. No, but, no, like, no. I've totally given you the speech saying you need to leave the organization you were with. <laughs> and been like, man, on your own, you could do this. At some point, I, I also think that the definition of, and this is important, is so often we talk about winning the game. And mm-hmm. I think that language is very confusing because it's sort of a very finite way of looking at it. Yes, I think we've all got really good at enjoying the game we're playing too. Yes. And I think that's so much of where this mindset comes into an investor. Yes, there's winner losses. Hustler, there's winner losses. Optimizer, there's winner losses. But if if I'm not always counting wins and losses and just saying, I truly enjoy playing it this way, That's right. I think you're living in a pretty sweet spot that over time is going to yield a lot of success and significance right. in what you're doing. So I think just making the slight nuance of Part of giving yourself some framework, identifying what you are at, isn't all win or loss. It's actually the enjoyment of the journey right. that helps yes. you kind of give yourself the freedom to do that a lot more. Which, and, you can, and I think the other thing I would say to that is, I think when you say, if you're winning the game, right? we're all from the United States, we're all like, and what that usually means is, are you winning the financial game? Right. Or maybe some people would say, are you climbing the corporate ladder? So I think in people's heads, when you say the game, exactly. they're they're flashing to some shared kind of American version of what winning looks like. Yeah. I think right. part of what we're talking about, not only is our makeup and what we excel at and kind of who we are, but it's also like, I would argue, at least amongst the four of us, 
we're all playing to win a functionally a different game. Like yeah. I'm playing shoots and ladders. Someone else is playing Candyland. Like in the sense that we are not playing the same game. I think there's elements of all games, whether it's luck, strategy, da da da. You have to employ all the kind of tools of the trade in your particular game. But I would argue we are really playing very different games. Yeah. And having done life together for a while, I think we've gained come to respect each other's games. Yeah. And rather than trying to force each other to play the same one. That's right. We watch and cheer and encourage each other in our own games while trying to learn from the other. That's right. Can can we do a podcast episode on why Jonathan picked Candyland and Shoots and Ladders <laughs> yeah. as opposed to like poker and blackjack? Because like I would have picked different games for that analogy. I don't know, man. Poker and blackjack is pretty epic. <laughs> pretty epic. We uh, we had an intense game of Candyland tonight at my house. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think you're right, though, Jonathan, in giving each other sort of the credibility that you're all kind of able to play it differently, slash maybe play a different game. But at the same time, I think all of us are naturally curious. And I think that's really important to say, man, I'd like to have Jonathan's lens on how I'm looking at this decision Yes, because it speeds up the ecosystem of learning as well. We're like, I'm not going to try to be Jonathan, but Jonathan, I'm just going to ask him when he looks at it this way. Yeah. I mean, we talk about that just about our family budgets. You know, I mean, we, yeah. me and Jonathan got our budgets out and we're, and I'm like, you only spend this much on that. And it's like, whoa, I, I'm spending way more on this. And, you know, it's like, I, I think that I even want to spend more on that. And well, why do you want to spend more on that? And you go on vacation and do it this way. Well, I go on vacation and do it this way. Like, right. okay, how do we figure that out? And so I think even just as sounding boards to think through very practical things, um, again, I go back to the common language of I would have a different conversation with with you, Scott, around that, and I would have a different one with you, Daniel, around that. But it's it's all insightful and good, you know, when you kind of put it all into perspective. All right, so so let's do this. Let's spend a little bit of time moving out of abstract into like uh, share what it's like to do your systems and some of the like, greatest hits. Because I'll Jonathan, I'll put you on the spot first hmm. because. Optimizer, I think the stereotype for for someone like me, the non-optimizer is like, oh, so pretty much your life sucks, but someday you'll have enough to retire, right? Like, except the truth is what I've learned is, dang, you have, the way you say it is being really efficient and effective with what I have, getting like most bang for my buck, right? Uh, Like I think of the vacation, summer vacations you do with your families and I'm like, wait a minute. And I said this to you in the early days, like, aren't you the guy who like say... How can you, and then you're like, oh, it only cost me X, Y, and Z, and it's worth the bang. And, and so like, give us a couple of examples of greatest yeah. hits on how you build a life you love yep. through optimizing. And it's not like miserly, hey, kids, turn the lights off, well, we're eating dinner in the dark, right? No. So, it's, <laughs> it's, well, what's interesting with that, and, and maybe this will turn into- That's only things. two nights a week, right, Jonathan? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Hey, it is so funny. Like we dealt, so y'all, all right. So we eat Del Taco at our home and you can get three soft value tacos for like $2 and 10 cents. You can eat for per person for about $2 and 10 cents at Del Taco. I mean, family of five, 11 bucks. I mean, little Caesars hot and ready five bucks. I mean, so we, I am naturally frugal and I like enjoying frugal things. 
I don't know why. That's probably something my parents passed to me. We'll talk um, about Jonathan's cholesterol level in a different podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't say it was healthy lifestyle. That's a different um, podcast. Yeah, that's, different that's different. podcasts. There are some things that I'm having to spend more money on health because of some other things. So <laughs> maybe it's a net loss. Huh. Um, but I think the thing, I think the thing that I like from an optimizer standpoint is there are important things to me, and Scott was alluding to it. My family travels during the summer. We found that being outside the United States, seeing different cultures, experiencing different cultures is really important. But for us, we wanted to go over intentionally when we started doing it, we wanted to go over and live in a part of the country that was not Americanized in the woods. We wanted to live in a neighborhood, go to the same grocery stores, go to the same like parks, like go do the things that locals quote unquote do. And it turns out you can do that super cheap. Now, we weren't doing it per se to do it cheap, but it was more kind of like, hey, let's build a baseline and go out and experience it first at the minimum and then decide what to add on top. So I think in some ways that is that is kind of how the optimizer life works. It's That's like an interesting hey. frame. I don't think I ever approached projects like that. Like, let's try it for the leanest a viable no. method. Let's do the minimum. Well, I'm usually like, how epic can I be? And then what do I have to hustle? Well, and so, and so I think one of the big differences here is that like for us, and, and that's what we do throughout our whole life, even now. Right. By the way, just give us specifics because some people in yeah. America, right? Going to another country outside of America, people uh, often don't realize this because most other continents is like a bunch of countries packed together. And yeah, and for us, like getting off continent is tends to be pretty epic and right. very, very few Americans actually do this. So, yes. so they're normally, like, oh, it's cheap. Relative flights, normally rental car. I mean, all that kind of stuff. So, so Jonathan, no, no, no. throw it's some good. numbers out. Like how much did you pay to spend, what, three, four weeks in other countries? Yeah, right? we spent three weeks. In, we th- spent three weeks in Italy this past. Um, you know, flights to Italy are apparently always expensive because yeah. Italy is Italy. So the flights were a little pricey. They're about 900 each. And then... The way we travel is we go and just rent an Airbnb in a town. I basically just look at the pictures and read the reviews. And then we never rent a car. We just jump on local transportation or we walk. And so that's what we've done. And we love it. Like, I just love it. I've never rented a car overseas. I like figuring out public transportation because public transportation is the way most of the world works. But I would say what I would kind of highlight this as is one way that we do big and one way we do small. We keep small. We flew over full price over to Italy. We had the ability to check one bag free each. One of the key things we do is my whole family, I've got kids, we started doing this when my youngest was six, six, eight, 11. So they were young. Mm. We have never checked a bag when we're traveling internationally. We only do what we can carry in backpacks on our back. For three Plus weeks and not a checked bag. A not a checked bag. Per. Zero you, check bags. Do you yeah. buy clothes when you're over there? Nope. I'm totally going to sleep on the couch for this, but my wife can't do a three-day weekend without <laughs> no, checking no, bags. And get this. And, 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 and look, <laughs> and hold on. This, this is the critical kind of piece of Optimizer. When we flew over to Italy, we all had a free checked bag each, and none of us took a single check bag. It wasn't even a matter of 
didn't want to spend the money. It yeah, was that it's for, we have optimized our traveling. And it's for the joy of seeing how light and lean you can do it and still that's be effective. Right. Like that's the awesome. sheer fun of it. You're not penny pinching for the money. That's that's maybe an immature optimizer. Is like, I, we can afford it, but I like the challenge of living lean. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Value I mean, of positive constraints. It's the value of positive constraints. And to some extent, like the guys will laugh at me. My wife likes big houses and likes expensive cars. So we're buying a car tomorrow. It is not, it does not look like an optimizer car. It's my not wife an is optimizer like, car. <laughs> my wife is like, hey, Listen, I, getting, getting your wife on the same plan you are is an entirely different podcast. It is. That's a different Next episode. But, but literally my wife is like, hey, I'm totally with you on the optimizer life, except for houses and cars. And that is the compromise that I've done. I'm like, oh, those minor, those minor purchases, those minor purchases. So if you look at my house and what my wife drives, like you'd be like, oh, he's climbing the corporate yeah. ladder. No optimizer, sure you are eating uh-huh. Del Taco. That's called optimizer okay. who still wants a happy wife. That's a whole other strategy, right? It's called okay. married optimizer as opposed to bachelor optimizer. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so Daniel and Scott, you both would identify more as a hustler. Yeah. Give us some of your, because that's the other side. Let me give you a parallel. Okay. So Israel, um, I've really uh, deeply connected with the people of Israel. I've got friends there. It's a part of where my Christian faith roots come from. I think the land itself is epic and cool. Like I could riff on Israel. Actually, Jay, first trip was with you. That was pretty stinking awesome. We went and taught at a business conference together. Um, And while we're in town, we're like, we're going to do a tour. Like you don't show up and not see the cool stuff. Right. I was like, this is awesome. I need to come back. In fact, I want all my kids, by the time they turn 13, 14, I want to bring them in country, give them a grand experience and say, this is some of the grand history of the world and this God's grand story and your place in it. That's the theme, yep. of the trip, right? So this is Hustler. John, Jonathan Styles, like, okay, kids, we're going to look it up. We're going to find the, the hostels and backpack and it's going to be <laughs> awesome. My strategy as a hustler is like, okay, so... How many people do I have to bring with me to reach official tour group size? Because when you get to certain sizes, the leader of the tour gets a free travel. And I'm like, well, dang, this will be awesome. I'm going to go. I might as well bring. So I'll bring up to 25 people with me. And I've done this several times. And we'll go to Israel and I'll bring a crew. And I'm the speaker, host. I'm wooing everybody, bringing them in, and I'm doing actual presentations at key sites. And unlike Jonathan, not only do I have a rental car, I hire a driver and a tour guide, and I've got a whole team in country, and I've got my staff here. And there's probably six people, uh, myself and five others, that will have their hands on or physically show up and run the tour in order for me to have the grand experience I want. And I'll and I, I've gone with no cost spent. Like I actually make some small profit sometimes if a big enough group comes. Got to put a little margin in there. And I don't really price it for profit. There's some groups that do. So we do this because I'm not trying to price it for profit. What I do is I do this world class. Like we stay at the five star hotels, right? We have our driver with our big air conditioned van drop us off and at, right at the restaurant door. And the the place is seated and already ready for us. And I'm having these grand experiences. And the way I'm paying for it is, man, I'm hustling, putting a team together. It's just a little mini business venture. And that's how I take my kids overseas versus like load it up. We're going to see how lean we can go. Let's make this thing happen. And 
I think Jonathan's trips are amazing. Like I, this is yeah. where oh, yeah. I don't think Jonathan should do what I do and try to get 25 of his friends to join him on his international trips every year. And so I, I've been learning from him, like we've been talking about, like, okay, how can I be smarter in how I do my trips? And maybe there's cool air. So this time around, we stayed, I just went there in July and we, instead of staying at the five-star resort right on the Sea of Galilee, we were a block away at this little like private hostel that the website what didn't have any English on it, right? You had to get translated. <laughs> but dude, this was a cool little boutique hostel that was cheaper and cooler than the big hotel. Like, hey, learning from Jonathan that getting off the tourist road is actually pretty sweet for me, though, as long as it's epic and it can still host all 20 of my friends. So that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's that's how hustler brain works for me is I'm not necessarily trying to be again, immature hustler might be like, screw the money. I'm just going to put it on a credit card and figure it out later. But I would say a mature hustlers like, hey, I'm going to hedge my downside and I'm going to figure out how to manage the trip cost so it's not too crazy. But at the end of the day, I'm going to get the life I want by selling more things to more people mm -hmm. versus um, how, how lean can I be in solo? Um, Daniel, Daniel, are you that an example? Yeah. Does, does that, was that resonate with you or Daniel? I mean, the beauty of this is that there's variations on the theme, right? There's not even just one way to hustle here. That's right. Yeah, so I'm trying to think because my vacations are diverse. So, but Daniel, I've, I would say I would say for you, I think you hustle to keep your life on balance. You hustle to take care of your family, which is I would say a different. You know, we've been talking vacations. So but I'll, I'll share your example, Daniel, because I remember. Gosh, this is the episode about how Scott's a jerk and tells everybody to be like him. <laughs> I remember giving you a hard time. This is years back, right? This is not okay. But you were just in this corporate chaos, right? Where you're like, dude, I'm trying to keep these jobs and then these other things keep happening and they keep restructuring and company buyout and all this stuff that keeps kicking you back out to the solo. And you were like, I've got to really watch my money right now because I'm not sure in that transition period when money was tight. And sure. you took your wife to an all-inclusive yeah, in that. Mexico. For oh, yeah. And I was, I literally like was as I thought was being a good friend, right? Again, Scott's sure. a jerk episode. And I was like, dude, how can you tell me that you're being really tight with your money and you take this kind of a vacation? And I'll never forget because you came back and said, dude, listen, this is important for my wife and I to have a healthy marriage. We have high needs kids. We don't relax at home. And so we love our kids. We love our home. But if we're going to have a relationship that's not just centered around children, I have to get my wife. I think you've also said my wife is solar powered. She comes yes. alive on the sunshine. I got to get her on the beach. I got to get her away from the, the kids who are constantly demanding. Um, and again, not just normal small kids, but now throw high need. And you were like, dude, if I want a healthy long-term marriage, and I don't lose that part of my marriage and we just become the couple that cycles around our kids and that's all we got. We have to get away and it has to be an all inclusive so that she doesn't feel like it's more chores. Like, so my marriage is just worth the investment. And I was like, sold. Okay. You're right. You should totally spend a chunk of money to make that investment because that's the right long-term play for you. And you were like, and then I'll just, I just got to go sell some more. And in fact, I think that's what led to our conversation. Like, well, dude, let's get you some coaching clients. Um, right. And at our early stage, you like, you actually, you pitched me, right? Hey dude, you know, some folks I'm ready for coaching. You don't have time to coach them. 
let's let's put this together and I'll coach your friends and we'll figure it out. That's good. So so I'm I'm thinking through here because I, I've got a couple of twists on this. I think that I'm a more of a hustler. I think my wife is more of an optimizer. Mm. I think she's actually more frugal than I am. Mm. Um, and so we we merge that together when we plan vacations. Mm. Uh, so I'll throw out a budget number and she'll go find just insane deals on all-inclusive resorts and credit card points and all this kind of stuff. So so she's more of the optimizer. I think I'm more of the hustler. Mm. But there's also some level of optimizer in me because it's trying to optimize for quality of life given the constraints that we have. Um, Mm. we, We have a special needs son who has a lot of health issues. My wife has a lot of health issues. I would love to show you guys my budget <laughs> because I think Jonathan would have a heart attack when he I know, saw the, I know the basics. I know the basics. He saw I, the line item it, of my, my medical expenses. It would be, I would say, I would argue it would be very hard to be an optimizer with Dan's life. I could, but to some extent, I could, that's providential. Well, I could pay for my house and your house with my medical bills. Yeah. Um, so I think for me, it's kind of a, maybe in the diagram, right? Like I'm on that line between the hustler and the optimizer mm. where, I mean, if you look at my family's burn rate, particularly on the medical front, like it's just bonkers. Like what I have to make every month to outrun our burn most people would just laugh at. Mm-hmm. And so I have to I have to hustle a lot to do that. But at the same time, I also have to optimize of yeah. like, mm-hmm. you know, w- what do you do when you and your wife are are not okay and not in a good place? And you say, okay, maybe, maybe I'm okay with going into a little bit because as I step back and I think about how my family's doing right now. $3,000 to spend uh, you know, a week in Mexico is probably a smart investment because it's a lot cheaper than divorce. <laughs> <laughs> I think also one of the things that's so helpful in this is us challenging each other to not get stuck in only your way of thinking. Because yeah. in solving problems, our default is that we're going to take our core strength and that's how we're going to solve that problem. And I think we at different times have all challenged each other in different ways Mm -hmm. to say, Hey, you don't need to think about this as an optimizer. You need to like put a little hustler in your step and go get it fixed. (laughs) And at the same time, I think we've challenged each other on the other way of, Hey, like hustling's not going to work at this game. You can't yeah. chase this forever. You're gonna have to optimize this somewhere. Yeah, and you can't so, out hustle that. Exactly. And so I do think it's been helpful with all of our viewpoints coming in at different places to say, gosh, I, I'm so frustrated because I'm trying I'm the optimizer and I'm trying to optimize this. And then I've already optimized it to the 10th degree and I got nothing left. And we're like, yes, yeah, stop trying to do that. Just go hustle for a minute. Well, I, that I has like, been a conversation. Yeah, it has. Yeah. 
it's diminishing returns. It like is. At some point, I could keep putting more and more effort in, but I'm getting smaller and smaller improvements because I'm already near the edges of what's possible. That's and right. So the best learning might be the other side. Now, hang on. We haven't heard you, Jay. Like, what's yeah, sure. your investor approach? What, what, like, maybe, maybe since we got in this riff, like vacation, what's an investor vacation plan look like? Yeah, it was interesting hearing y'all talk about that because what I have basically tried to set up is like, here's the amount of money I want to spend on vacations a year, right? I think this is a mm-hmm. budget that I would have. And then how do I have passive income to cover that every year, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I think one thing I've done really well, and frankly, it's from a, a mentor that I've had for about 10 years, that he said that the big difference between sort of, in his words, kind of wealthy people, you know, and people that basically kind of have to work to do stuff is that, most of the time someone says I need to take a vacation. And so they take a vacation and then they figure out, it's like, this is something that I want. They buy the thing that they want and they have no money left over to, to buy something that could give them that multiple times. And he said, the one difference, if you'll do it differently, like if you want, you know, at some point I would like a private plane, I'm not quite there yet. I've taken my pilot's license. I've got some things working on that, but in his example, this guy has a private plane and he said, I had to work for about five years to have the apartment complex that funds my Gulf Stream. And he said, what most people do is they set, they try to work on the Gulf Stream. And what I do is work on the apartment complex to buy the Gulf Stream. And then I don't have to ever worry about the Gulf Stream again because the apartment buys my Gulf Stream every year. And I think that's how an investor really thinks about it. And so it's like, I have two rental properties. They pay for my vacations every year. Like I don't ever pay for vacations in the way that I look at it traditionally. Mm-hmm. I bought the rental properties that pay for the vacations, right? And so hmm. when you think about optimizing and all that stuff, I'm like, I have pieces of that, you know, well, in, in my life. And I'm going I'm to get into the weeds, but Jay, didn't even your most recent vacation, didn't you do some sort of like vacation home timeshare swap program? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, we spent You're literally you know, using your investments to make your vacations possible. Yeah, we spent about three weeks or, or about two and a half weeks in Mexico with our family this year. And I mean, didn't pay anything for it, like out of active income, right? I mean, basically because I'd leveraged a, a second property that I have on top mm-hmm. of a membership I, that I have and put them together to basically say, hey, I can trade this for this. But it basically was already all set up. Right. So mm-hmm. I would say there's a little bit of optimizer in me too, for sure. But the reality is, as I look at it more of it, I would say it's maybe a little more planned out hustling. If I had to kind of say like what an investor looked like is like, I want to be able to do this. How do I build the system that allows me to do this mm-hmm. continually? I don't want to have to go sell a new contract every day. That actually drives me crazy, mm-hmm. but I'd like to go do one or two things that can continually give me this experience hmm. somewhat in per, into perpetuity, right? And so hmm. that's um that's a lot of how how I've tried to build things. And I think as you I think the one thing I would say is where I have some hustler in me as well is I've got into this of like how do you leverage some of that stuff together, right? So I'm getting ready to put together a trip with some guys that have invested some money with me. We're gonna try to kind of grow that a little bit bigger. And it's like, well, I'm going to leverage a property that I already have and it's already paid for. And I'm going to have an epic time, but then I'm also going to raise money for my next deal while I'm doing it as well. So it's 
how do you integrate as many things as possible? I think the investor really thinks in leverage. How, how much leverage can I really get on this, but also having risk? So again, pieces of how we all think about it, I think overlap, but in general, it's how can I buy something or build something maybe one time that pays for me to have multiple experiences? That's awesome. And I think the thing that maybe I've said it before in this, even in this conversation, but I think that is at the core of what we've been doing with Alpha Pack is the fact that we we regularly talk about like your success, you know, does not detract from my success. To be able to, to run along with other alphas in a non-competitive way, once you get to that point of being with people who do things differently than you and not need to correct them or I think that one of the things that I find most valuable about this group is that you guys are for me the way I'm doing it. I think that doesn't exist in many places. Like you may see groups of people who are all hustlers because they are investing together and they're all of cut of the same cloth and they're cut of the same cloth because they're doing a deal together or whatever else. I think what's been special here is we are all different in some ways. We have named those differences. And then rather than trying to correct or normalize our differences, we've started celebrating our differences, which in turn makes us able to, number one, it's just cool to cheer people doing things that you can't do. Like, it's great to be able to like, Dan, I don't know how Dan runs his budget. Like, I'm like, every, (laughs) like he gets to the end of the month and bills are paid. I'm like, pretty sure a lot of alcohol is (laughs) involved. Maybe. But I mean, but it, I think that the non-competitive nature of hanging out in a pack together is really one of the secret sauces that we've had that I just don't know has, I haven't seen many other places. Jonathan, maybe to put a, maybe to put a bow on this really quick, I completely agree with what you're saying around the sort of acceptance and encouragement around sort of us all having our own niche in it. But I think balanced with appropriate challenge of when you need to have a different viewpoint on this. And I think that that's really the balance that we're really trying to find in what we do with Alpha Pack. And I think as we continue to, you know, explore this journey together, trying to help people understand and overlap that in different ways. So excited to do life with you guys. It's been good. Sweet. You've been listening to the Alpha Pack podcast. To learn more about how you can implement the strategies and insight discussed in today's episode, make sure to check out the show notes page and follow the pack on www.alphapackcommunity.com. Until next time, we hope you settle for nothing less than making the world better than the way you found it. Stay alpha.